You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. The future comes, and now my watch begins. It shall not end until my death. I shall miss no game, withhold no news, report all rumors. I shall wear no jerseys and plead allegiance to no side. I shall live and die on my webpage. I am the word in the darkness. I am the watcher of the TV. I am the megaphone that informs the realms of geek. I pledge my hands and name to the Geek's Watch, for the Geeks and all the Geeks to come. To another shift on the Geek's Watch this week, we are talking about Mulan. Both the animated version and the new live action version. Both Mulan's. So, uh, and I'm, I'm sure there are a, t- a few people on this podcast that can probably talk about the rarely talked about animated sequel. I could definitely talk about it. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. That's what I, thought. <laughs> I have it. Want to watch it? That's, uh, that was uh, that's a Michael Eisner thing. All the, the hit movies that they had, they, he wanted to make direct to, D- direct to VHS. Cool. Yeah, sequels and what do we get? Like uh, Lady in the Tramp two, sc- scamps, scamps uh, adventure. Yeah, scamps Lion adventure. King 2. Lion King two. Wait, isn't there like Lion King one and a half? Yes, there yeah. is, but that came after two. That came after two. Oh, okay. The Little Mermaid yeah. is that his Little Mermaid? I think so. It seems like about the right year. I don't know. Yeah, they still it? technically do them too. So the creator in the Beast two. Yeah, the yeah. Enchanted Christmas or something like that. The Enchanted Christmas, I actually love. And that. then, um, <laughs> Bambi Two, the Beast, because it works well, better. For the, oh, the it was uh, yeah, yeah, it was before the. It, it was like a in between story. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Like, it was what you didn't see. Like, out. It was. Yeah. So it was another one and a half. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's a that's a strange time. I don't know. I mean, I, I wonder if that worked out well for them. Over there at Disney to do all those direct, direct to DVD or direct to VHS. God, I keep saying direct to DVD. It's before it was, DVD. It was good for the stockholders. There were some direct DVDs too. So, because I think but, one might have been a direct DVD. But I mean, I'm sure the kids were like, wait, these aren't the same voices. Like, these aren't the same no. songs. A lot of kids as, didn't as really the care. The kid who watched those, <laughs> Lion King 2 was by far my favorite over Lion King 1 for quite a few years, mainly because it was a girl lion that was the lead. And also because COVID was very cool looking. <laughs> you know, they were able to get uh, Robin Williams back for the third Aladdin. Yeah, but the third Aladdin actually went to the movie theater. I don't think Did so. It? Yeah, the the prince, uh, the, the king the of thieves. thieves. Yeah, it went to the Aladdin theater. King of <laughs> <laughs> Did it? I don't, I don't remember. That was one of the, one, the, one of the reasons why he came back. Oh, I thought it was because they gave him like a Picasso painting or something. I'm, I'm sure they probably gave him that too. <laughs> <Here>. <laughs> we'll sweeten the deal. <laughs> okay, well, before we get to Mulan, we'll talk about our week's watch as we do every week. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have Stephen with us this week, but we will be able to fill out his time 
Well, here, uh, he told me what he wanted to say. I'll, I'll put that out there right now. Space uh, we Well, Let's was it Ron or his week's watch? His week's watch. Okay. What's okay. his week's watch? Um, so what he said, he said, please express express my extreme disappointment at the pushed back release of Space Sweepers. <laughs> and yes. let everyone know that the first episode of Raised by Wolves was a very cautious, has me very cautiously optimistic. I don't trust Ridley Scott not to mess with this one up just yet. So. <laughs> All right. right. Which is interesting because... And I hope Steven listens to this because I suggested Raised by Wolves as our show to watch <laughs> next. And he was one of the first ones to be like, that show just looks terrible. And now yep. he's watching it. Yeah. Well, I was the one who also said about this. we probably shouldn't make like Elizabeth watch Raised by Wolves. I, mean, I think she'd be okay with that one. It's the it's the other one that that's not going to do well for her. What's Alien? Lovecraft Country? Oh, well, Lovecraft. Yeah, Lovecraft Country. That's right. Yeah, she's not gonna do that. She's I don't not know, gonna Raised by Wolves has a real like aliens vibe to it when I watched the trailer. So, so I was like, it might be secretly kind of sort of. It could be. <laughs> it could be. <laughs> Hollywood's trying to give me secret horror movies. <laughs> secret horror shows. I appreciate it. <laughs> Those things should not be secret. <laughs> so there you go. It's it, it raised by wolves. If you want to take uh Steven's word on it, it's Go into it cautiously optimistic, <laughs> especially if you have watched any of Ridley Scott's more recent stuff, uh, which I know uh, John has a lot to say about his recent alien franchise stuff. Yeah, it's more to do with the screenplay writers, though. Damn you, Lindelof. Which, he, which someone loves Watchmen, though, which is David Lindelof also. Which is why I'm also so torn about it. <laughs> sometimes you hit it out of the park sometimes you foul ball and, you know that's just something that occurs okay okay miss baseball analogies over here <laughs> <laughs> what did you watch this week i know it wasn't mlb no you forced me to watch uh bill and ted face the music i mean forced you to watch seems like such a i was held hostage in bad, in my own oh that's terrible <laughs> face the Wait. music Yep. Wait, what? Third, you didn't make the, her watch the first one? No, I didn't. We, we ran out of time. We ran out of time. We, we just I need I needed to watch the third movie, so disappointing. She, uh, she watched the third movie without watching the first two. And were you <laughs> able to story? Yeah, no, that <laughs> I I definitely understood what was going on. Maybe not why this was a movie, but I don't think that that has anything to do with the actual plot line. It's just a factor of, I don't understand why these kinds of movies get made. Because they're fun. On adventures? I don't know. See, Bill and Ted was a cultural phenomenon. They had a live a, a cartoon and a live-action TV adaptation. <laughs> they, had a, they didn't have a live-action TV ad- adaptation. Yes, they did. Oh, I don't remember it. I mean, it it was pretty awful, but they had it. <laughs> I have seen none of this. And I gathered that in the second movie, they go throughout history and they end up with their wives who are princesses from some other time. No, the no, first, no, that's the first they, movie. They, get their, their, they go through history and they get the princesses as their first movie. The second movie, they die and they go to hell. Well... Technically, they didn't go to the afterlife because they played death 
that's where they meet death the first time and they beat him in a bunch of board games so they get to go back to earth see and i put those in opposite orders but that makes sense <laughs> i guess um yeah no it was i mean it was funny i guess yeah, it I was guess. funny i guess if you have to say i guess it's probably not too funny <laughs> There were one-liners, but the whole thing, I just, I kept looking for something, and there was nothing. It doesn't need something. It just <laughs> is. It just is. It just You did. know, it, it's because George Carlin wasn't around anymore. He was the anchor of the first two movies, so without him, it's probably why it feels kind of meandering. Mm-hmm. Is he really all that much in the second movie, though? Like, he's he's not a big part of that second movie. Christian Shaw essentially takes her, takes his place in the third movie because he put she plays his daughter, and I think mm-hmm. she does a great job. Uh, I I think yeah. if you would have had a little bit of the backstory, I mean, they do a great job of explaining it. Yeah, but the first two movies are all about them building up to the moment where they're going to save the the world. They're going to bring the world together because their music is so great. Right? Mm-hmm. Especially the second movie. And then this opens with the fact that they failed at that. Well, that they just haven't done it yet. Yeah. Like, it just has not happened. And we're getting to the critical mask, mass area where it's like, well, if you don't do it by this point, the whole universe collapses yeah. in on itself. And clearly, yeah, anyway, um, I don't want to give too much away, but the opening scene at the wedding. Yes. Had me very confused. So <laughs> had me very confused. Have either one of you watched this movie yet? No. Nope. Okay, but you've watched the first two. I've watched yeah. the first one. The second one I'm pretty sure I've watched, but I don't remember it that well. So in the first movie, you remember that Bill has a stepmother, Missy. Yes. Right? Yeah. Missy? Yeah. yeah. So the joke in the second movie is that she's left Bill's dad and went to be married to Ted's dad instead. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the in- the third movie, the wedding that you're that they are the wedding singers at is Ted's little brother Deacon. She is Missy is now married to Deacon. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was like, what the heck is going on? I did appreciate the theremin yes. in that sequence. Um, that I did appreciate that very much, but the music was bad. It's, it's supposed to be bad. It's like, the whole movie, the music was bad. That's fair. Um, let me guess. They're experimenting, trying to come up with a sound that's going to become the perfect song or whatever. Correct. They 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 are they have learned all these different things. Bill at one point is also doing uh Tibetan throat singing. Like they are doing <laughs> all these things to try and find the perfect song to to thus bring the world. That's a lot of pressure. You're you're the ones that are going to save the world, bring everybody together, and uh they they are experimenting. Yes, exactly. It. They're they're doing a whole bunch of different things. Uh, so all I, all I, all I want to know is in that beginning wedding scene. Is there a line where Bill is talking to Ted and he says, I can't believe Missy divorced your dad and married your brother. And Bill, and, and Ted goes, shut up, Bill. Instead of the other way around? Yeah. Uh, no, uh, no. There, there's not that line. Because really? Oh, wow. Because yeah. they're at the wedding. <laughs> yeah, they're at the Well, that's the line that Ted says to Bill in the second movie. 
<laughs> when Missy is now married to Ted's dad. Either way, that doesn't happen. <laughs> I would say that there was a lot of great, like, I, I think this the CGI was really good for the movie that I'm sure was not uh, high budget. Uh, but I'm sure Bill, or I should say Keanu and Alex Winters, or the executive producers of it, so they don't have to pay themselves yeah. all that much. Which Keanu is probably the the bigger uh, yeah. salary yeah. in that. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> but they were the only time that the CG or the special effects did not look good is at one point there is a killer android, killer mm-hmm. robot that is chasing them through time, trying to kill them, and it the robot just does not look good. Like it, do, it, it looks like a guy wearing a costume. Like you should either go full on Terminator where it's a, you know, it's the, the, the metal endoskeleton is covered by human skin or go sh- with straight up, you know, the metal skeleton. Like, look, like don't try and do this combination of the both. And it just looks bad. But other than that, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> It was entertaining. <laughs> I just don't think it's my kind of movie. That's fair. I think that's really what it comes down to. I mean, for it is not the worst one I've seen of this genre <laughs> <laughs> by any means. For a sequel that is what thirty, almost thirty years past its last movie, like a you yeah. know thirty years later, I am okay with it because there have, there's a lot of other movies that are trying to do the sequel from long ago and they are failing zoolander 2 is a terrible movie dumb and dumber 2 is a terrible movie like those yeah, i'm not watching that yeah uh basic instinct 2 basic instinct 2 i didn't watch basic instinct 2 i wouldn't expect it to be good though it, it wasn't dirty yeah. dancing Havana nice i was it any good <laughs> <laughs> Which they are doing another sequel to that now with uh, Jennifer Grey coming back. Yep. I don't know. Yeah. What? Yep. Okay, cool. Yep. So. Yeah. No, so it was, I mean, it it was cute. It just wasn't my kind of movie. Just wasn't for you. That's fair. Um, that is on VOD right now. Oh, so right. you can watch it wherever you'd like. Uh, you just have to pay for it. Jessica, what did you watch this week? Um... I don't know why, but I decided to watch the entire first season of Merlin. Wow. (laughs) The BBC show Merlin. The BBC show Merlin. And I went into this blind. Like, I really didn't know anything about it other than it was about Merlin and he was young. That's all I knew about it when I went to watch it. It's very interesting. (laughs) This is a show from like... 2007 or something like that right or like it's yeah a while ago i guess it's been out and done for a while it's five seasons i think i saw it's on netflix that's where i'm watching it is on netflix and i don't know why i picked it up i don't know if it's because of cursed or whatever i'm thinking maybe i need to watch a different version of king arthur and but like when i went into it because he was young i thought it was like about how merlin like became merlin like that's what i assumed like before arthur and no, apparently they're the same age. Uther is still alive for some reason. <laughs> Morgana's just living with him. And Guinevere is the blacksmith's daughter and maidservant to Morgana. And I'm just sitting here like, what the hell is this? <laughs> like, yeah, no, it, 
it does it really messes with the mythology. Oh, it messes it so much, but I still am enjoying it so much. <laughs> I'm glad because I really enjoy that show. But yeah, no, it does not follow the mythology at yeah. all. I know. I had no idea. I literally thought it was maybe if I just had the warning that, oh yeah, and he's protecting Arthur, then I would have been like, oh, okay, all right, cool. It's a twist. But because I had no warning. Like that first scene where you meet Arthur for the first time <laughs> and he's such an asshole. <laughs> I'm just like, look at that asshole. And I'm thinking the kids that being bullied by Arthur is Arthur. Like that's what I thought. Oh, that young kids, that's gotta be Arthur. No, <laughs> that guy's Arthur. I was like, what the shit? <laughs> I I mean, like, was like, oh, Arthur's God. pretty much a jock. It makes sense. <laughs> he is, but he's always, he's pure of heart. Like that's his thing is he's pure of heart, which later on you get, but like still, I was like, uh, okay all right but no i really like it it's fun i am quite enjoying watching a show in which there is one plot device per episode that is resolved by the end of that episode <laughs> quite it, enjoying is true, that. It, it is true bbc television and yes. that's yes. so uh I've never watched an episode of Merlin, but I know that the actor who plays Merlin was in one episode of Doctor Who with Tennant. Uh, it's when Tennant's on that diamond planet, and uh, it's called, I think the episode's called Midnight, but I'm not sure. Mm. It's a really good episode. It is good. Episode. So that's that the, the one where they're on that train or that little. Yeah. Yep. Oh, that that's a good episode. Yeah. Uh, so, so. Are you so? I assume you're going to keep going with the the rest of the seasons. Yeah, they're, they're not too long. They're like thirteen episodes each. So, yep, standard uh, BBC so. episodes. Yeah, so I just I kind of hope it has an ending because I ended up tweeting about it, and somebody started to follow me, and their like profile was like Save Merlin or something like about bringing back the show Merlin, and I was like. Does this mean this ends on a cliffhanger? <laughs> no, I'm looking at your face, Elizabeth. Oh no! I'm gonna be on that Twitter like, yes, yeah, save her. <laughs> I'm sure at this point, if they brought it back, it, it's going to be a rebooted version of the show. It's it's quite a bit out. I know that is true. I'm probably just gonna. I'll write it in my head. It'll be okay. I'll just Doctor Who it. It'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I, I feel like that that actor too was was up for a couple of, like comic book stuff, but I can't remember what. I almost want to say that he might have been up for uh, uh, X Men something. I can't remember. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, cool. That's so that's on Netflix. Did you have anything else that you wanted to talk about, dude? Mm, oh, well, okay. <laughs> I guess since it's it is. I am reading Dune. Yeah, big ass book. <laughs> it's actually not that hard to read. I mean, it's just I haven't been able to really sit down and read it, but I'm already like 300 pages in. It's a lot. I don't. It looks the movie looks like it's going to be amazing. I don't know how the hell you turn this book into a movie. <laughs> so, so have you seen David Lynch's Dune? Parts of it, and like, and parts of it. I mean, I used to stay up really late to like three in the morning typing and I would have like HBO or something on. <laughs> and I think I watched it that way. Mm. It was a pain because it's just, it's weird that that David Lynch is just, <laughs> it makes zero sense. I see now that he totally did not follow the book at all, but 
and I see what he was getting at. But I think the problem with it is like the book really is a lot of political intrigue. Like it's a lot of political intrigue. And I'm sorry, John Yodorowsky would have murdered this book. Like, oh yeah, I wasn't looking for a faithful adaptation. I wanted just a crazy looking movie. Well, I kind of do. This is very interesting, and I actually have heard there's some. Apparently, there is a show. That is word for word from the book, but I can't remember where it's at. I just yeah, read it that was on Sci-Fi. Yeah, they had, Sci-Fi had a mini series that was a more better adaptation than the Dave Lynch one. But like even doing like a word for word because this is so much of people's inner thoughts constantly happening, in which they're kind of like figuring out how people are thinking in order to like solve what's going on or to prevent what's happening and stuff, just because of the this type of person that they, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's good. I can't explain it, but it's really good. Also, I didn't even know this and I probably should have because I watched that Yodorowsky just Dune thing, but I never realized that there apparently is my name in a sci-fi novel. And that is actually quite surprising to find Jessica just being a badass witch lady in space. Like, yes, <laughs> go lady Jessica. Like I'm all for this. She's my just favorite character. Um, a Dune supporter yeah, just that's right. by the inclusion of her name. <laughs> Actually, so, no, I, it's a great book. It's a really. I'm only three hundred pages in, but it's a it's a really <laughs> good sci-fi novel. <laughs> so you're loving the book. You've kind of seen David Lynch's version. You've watched a documentary about Jodorowsky's version, or Jodorowsky's version. Now you've watched the trailer for Denny Villeneuve's version. Which, bear in mind, is more than likely moving away from its December release date uh, because uh, Wonder Woman's going to take it over now because Wonder Woman moved from October to December. So Wonder Brothers uh. moving June out. But how do you, from your, your little uh, motion there of Vine Blown, how do you feel about the Denny Villeneuve trailer? I feel like they casted it so well. Like the one, because like reading it, I didn't realize how young the main character is. He's like 16 and he looks even younger than that. And that Paul character, that kid, he looks absolutely like a how the character, which not, it's not important for them to look like the characters are described, but he seems to even have like the feel of Paul from what I'm getting at. And just everything just looks so freaking beautiful. And they threw in my favorite Pink Floyd song and just. <laughs> I'm so excited for this movie. And I know there's no way it's going to be exactly like the book. I don't expect movies to be exactly like the book. It doesn't super duper disappoint me. I mean, as long as they have the same general feel of it, the same uh the same like morals of it. Pay homage to it. Yeah, pay homage to it, which this seems to be doing very well. It seems to have just all the characters just seem great. Just Spot on. I'm super excited. I'm so excited. And I really liked um, Blade Runner 20. 20. Yeah, I really liked that. And I didn't even realize that was the same director. So I'm even more excited. Very cool. Okay. Anything else? I think that's it. (laughs) (laughs) John, how did you feel about Denny Villeneuve's Dune trailer? Um, Well, I was a bit apprehensive at first because I'm like, this is going to the, the, so much is writing on this trailer for me and I've been waiting for it to come out and it came out 
And at first, I was a little bit taken aback by how grounded it feels in spite of the crazy visuals and the scope that it's showing. It still feels very kind of down to earth. So I was very like impressed that even though it does look kind of ground like grounded, um, I still really, really liked the general look of it. Um, again, just only slightly disappointed that it's not going for that a psychedelic look like you're on acid kind of thing that Jodorowsky was going for. But it's not what <laughs> but, it's supposed to look like. <laughs> um, but I'll, I'll give it this. Once the Pink Floyd kicked in, I was like, all right, uh, I'm locked in for this. Because as soon as this th that music played and the first lyrics were heard, I'm like, yeah, he's got it. Like this guy, the, 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 this director and this movie are like such a perfect match now for me mm -hmm. that I'm all in. So, J Jason Momoa is playing which character from the first movie? Is it the character um, that Sting played? No, no. Um, he's playing like one of the what do they call them? The Freeman, the those uh, like the savage are the people ones live on the planet. Yeah, Dude. he's like he's like the leader of one of those guys. I'm not sure. Uh, I think Harkonnen is the name of the. Uh, the Sting character, and I don't know that we saw him in the trailer. I think we barely see uh, the Baron. You barely the... see Lady Jessica too. I was very disappointed. Yeah, like it, it, it's really interesting how much they showed you with how little they're actually showing. He's playing Duncan Idaho. He's not a Freeman. He is of the Duke's people, and he kind of sort of, but he goes in on the planet beforehand and becomes friends with ah, the Freeman. Yes, the there you go. Yeah, all this is gibberish to me. I love the naming conventions that they have because some people have crazy names like Harkonnen, and then you have Duncan Idaho. Duncan you have a guy, Idaho. you have the prince of the universe. His name is Paul, but his last name is Atreides. And I was like, that's such a perfect combination. Like, it, well, Herbert. his mom is Lady Jessica. <laughs> yeah, so all of that is just. It, it's great. It, this could be the Lord of the Rings of sci-fi if they do it right. If if it hits right, it really could be. Actually, yeah, that is a bold I mean, statement. But I, I guess the, I, I, I mean it's it's would, a good sci-fi comparison because it really is about the politics and about the people and about. I would say deep. in book form, it is the. Sci-fi yes. version of Lord of the Rings, <laughs> like the, the, that's already a comparison in the books. But yes, if it's done right film-wise, it could be the film version comparison. And, and that's one of the big things that they got the they got the stars for sure. I mean, you got Zendaya, Jason Momoa, J uh, Oscar Isaacs, uh, Josh Brolin, Timothy yeah. Chalamet. Who I don't know if he won, but he was nominated for an Oscar recently. Rebecca only, Ferguson is Jessica. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. The only thing I knew about uh, Timothy Chalamet was that he was the the subject of a John Mulaney bit. Oh, was he? Yeah, where apparently his wife has a crush on him and it's just like totally messing with him. <laughs> yeah, it was a uh, "Call Me by Your Name." I he was in that. I believe he got an Oscar nom for it. Uh, the only thing I've seen him in is he was in Lady Bird with Shersha Ronan. And I enjoyed that movie. Couldn't really tell you about his performance. So, John, what did you watch this week? 
All right. So I watched three things. I'm going to gloss over two of them uh, okay. because they're... <laughs> um, so uh, I'll just get right into it. Um, the Boys season two started. So I've already watched episodes one, two, and three because they released them together. They didn't do the whole season all at once. I think nope. they're releasing them every Friday. So today being the Friday that we're recording is episode four has been released. I have not had a chance to watch it yet. I think it's very good so far. It's definitely pushing the ante and the, the superhero satire is very strong with this season so far. I mean, right off the bat, you begin with a funeral for Translucent. And they have a they have a, a casket made out of glass with nothing in it, pretending that translucent is inside of it. <laughs> and then they get the character they get the, the character Starlight to come out and sing like this really sappy emotional song, which is like it just the way that they ramp it up is just so great. Um, one of the most despicable characters from last season, the Deep has a really interesting turn in this last in these first three episodes where he's basically made to kind of confront his demons and find out why he's such a piece of shit. And as he joins a cult. Huh? As he joins a cult. As he joins a cult, yes. Uh, but it's just a really great scene where he kind of comes to terms with why he's so uh, despicable and so uh, objectifying to 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 women. Um to say why exactly would be doing a disservice to anybody that hasn't seen it yet. Just rest assured, it's it's one of those I can't believe they're actually doing this kind of moments. <laughs> okay. And uh, but see, I think the thing is, is that they're they're using it as a way to like ridicule other shows and other movies that would use it and be earnest about it. Like, oh yeah, for sure. Like the way they're, they're using it is more like, yeah, that doesn't make up for the fact that what he did is is terrible. Like, no. You're only getting a further understanding about why he is terrible, though. Doesn't yeah. excuse it. It's just kind of, it does create more character death, but he's still a despicable character. It's, yeah. Nevertheless, I think that also sets him up for whenever he's the butt of a joke. It makes it funnier because you don't really feel bad for him, even though the things that happen to him are really, really fucked up. <laughs> so that's, uh, you know, that's one thing there. Um, but that being said, uh, that's still an ongoing show, so we could probably get into more of a discussion on it later on. Uh, I also watched seasons one and two of Cobra Kai. Wow. That show really sucked me in. Um, <laughs> I mean, I've heard before, and this this is a two-year-old show, and I've had the full ability to watch this show because I've had YouTube Premium for I don't know how long now. Like, I could have seen this show at any point, and I just refused to for some reason. Um, even though I heard it was good and I've seen some clips here and there that I was like, oh, that seems kind of interesting. But I was like, you know what? It's on Netflix now. I feel like it's more in my wheelhouse. I'm going to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> and right from the first scene, I thought it was great. I was like, I know exactly what they're doing here. And I think they're going to do a good job with this. It literally begins with uh, the climactic fight in the first Karate Kid movie. And then Johnny Lawrence gets kicked in the face with a crane kick. He gets knocked down, face down on the mat. And then we flash forward to the present time, which at this point now would have been two years ago. And he's still lying face down in the carpet of his little like studio apartment, essentially telling us that like he's been knocked down ever since. He's never been able to get back up. And the show pretty much shows that because he's working odd jobs. He's got a lame life. He's a deadbeat dad. He basically just lives off of Coors and pizza. 
Uh, he drives an 89 Firebird, which is like all rusted up and the paint's all faded. And he's totally a relic of the 80s. He's stuck completely in his youth of like his teens. He still listens to like hair metal and doesn't understand technology, doesn't have a smartphone, doesn't know what the internet is. He's basically a relic. So then when life kind of puts him in the path of, uh, of uh, Danny LaRusso again, that's what kickstarts him to kind of pull his uh, pull himself back up from the bootstraps and restart the thing that made him feel like he belonged to something, the Cobra Kai karate uh, dojo. And that's where you get the story. And what I really love is that one of the continuing messages of the show is that you have to have balance in life. And they definitely do that with this show by balancing all the characters, by balancing all the storylines. This is essentially a soap opera. The the twists and turns that happen here are like something out of Days of Our Lives. No joke. And But the way that they weave it into the story is great. If this was a sequel, like we were talking about earlier, 30 years removed from the original source, this would have been awful because you wouldn't be able to tell this story in two hours. But having it placed out over the first first season being 10 episodes, which are, I think, half an hour each, so it's about five hours, you really get an understanding of all these different characters you're introduced to. And the dichotomy of what happens is really, really interesting. Because in this situation, uh, Johnny uh, Lawrence, the, the Cobra Kai guy, he ends up taking his own Daniel LaRusso, who is an immigrant, who is poor, doesn't have a father. And he, he's a good kid at heart. But through his the, the Cobra Kai mentorship, starts to become an asshole. And then vice versa, Danny LaRusso takes a guy that's off the streets and kind of a bad apple and he starts to shape him into kind of a better person. But nobody's clearly good or bad. Everybody has their moments where they do something really kind of messed up. But they also do things where they kind of atone for these. And it's just a back and forth like that. It's really interesting. Like you never, you can never fully predict where something's going to go. And even when you can, it still feels kind of satisfying when it happens. I would say the only completely irredeemable asshole character throughout this whole thing is John Kreese, the character that was the sensei for Johnny Lawrence in the 80s, because he comes back at some point. Um, And so he's the only one so far that seems to be just the complete a-hole throughout. But everyone else has their moments where they try to do the right thing, and either circumstances or their own ego gets in their way. Or they're bad people that have a moment of redemption and actually take it and do something right for once. But it's just never clear cut. It's always, even Daniel LaRusso does some things where it was like, hey, that's not very cash money of you. It's kind of a <laughs> money of you. Okay. Yeah. Kind of, very early kind of a, thousands of you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I, all I want to say is that I totally relate. You know, going back to the first Karate Kid, maybe this is kind of a wrong thing to say, but I actually wanted to be Johnny Lawrence more than I wanted to be Daniel LaRusso because Johnny Lawrence was the cool guy. And then seeing where he is now, I feel like Johnny Lawrence became me. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I was like, oh, touche TV and life. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that was just unexpected. But nevertheless, it's great. And I can't wait for season three. I hear that they've already filmed it and it's just, they're just going to wait a while to release it because, uh, you know, 
it's become really popular and everybody now is talking about it now that it's no longer on trash YouTube. So hopefully it gets, you know, some more. The the uh, end of the second season teases a very, very cool cameo that could be happening in the third. I think it's actually been confirmed. Yeah. I don't want to give it away. But yes, nevertheless, I'll tell you this much. I don't think it's until like the fifth episode of the first season <laughs> where Daniel LaRusso actually starts doing some karate stuff. <laughs> and it's it, i mean it has all the makings in le- less capable hands this would have been really cheesy and lame and roll your eyes but it's actually kind of emotional and really like you're rooting for everyone now like you you at this point you actually want the show to just keep getting better and better because it's it the build up up to this point is so good and then it's just keeps going from there i also want to say i think i understand now why clone wars is such a better Star Wars story than I want to say the prequels in general. And I think Mm -hmm. that's because in this series, you actually see the progression of a good kind of nerdy character actually grow into a complete jerk. And it's because he gained power. And I think that's how they should have portrayed Anakin too, is going from that sweet little kid, getting that taste of power, and then just wanting more. I mean, the movies were just so truncated. You don't really get that growth, that progression. But here, you have an Anakin that actually yeah. you're like, wow, like, I can't believe this, how this guy started off. And this is where he is. But you go through him, like, with the whole thing. And it's like, I mean, I get it. I was there with him the whole, like, what journey here. I'm just kind of disappointed that this is what happened to him. But I can also see why it happened to him. Mm. So... That's where, those were the two that I only wanted to gloss over, but I ended up yeah, kind of talking a bit more. Gloss over again. <laughs> but <laughs> but I put in my two cents on 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 Cobra Kai since we talked about it. Sure. Uh, I I'm one of the people that watched it on YouTube, and uh, I I thought it was great. I think I think both seasons are great. That last episode in season two is phenomenal in just the choreography alone. Yes, uh, it was. Now. One thing I didn't care for is the first season, like the Johnny Lawrence character, he's all about, you know, well, this is how you were you you were cool in the eighties, and that's when I was cool. So I'm gonna teach these kids how to be cool that way. And it's it is all out of like being a dickhead and stuff like that, which makes me think that's the reason why they brought in John Crease for the second 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 season, because he's the one that's gonna be more the real jerk like he's going to be the one that teaches the kids to be uh straight up assholes and like so johnny can be like oh yeah it's not good like kind yeah. of yeah and they definitely set those uh seats up for him having i guess another redemption arc <laughs> where yeah. he starts to fight back against his own programming because yeah the, you get to see one of the things i wasn't expecting was that you get to see why johnny lawrence became the way he was and it's exactly the same story he started out as a sweet kid just under some bad circumstances, he needed a father figure to latch onto, and that was Crease, and that fucked him up, you know. I also, um, I also like the fact that when he tells the story of of meeting Daniel for the first time, like how he's the victim, and Daniel was this <laughs> this guy that just blew into town and yeah, beat him up and took away his girlfriend and stuff. Like, <laughs> I mean, but how great was that? You know, like seeing it from his point of view. And now you like it. There is, there's always two sides to his story, and I felt like the the best thing that they did with that was that it's a valid interpretation, you know, from his point of view. Like that's, uh, 
I don't know, like maybe I'm alone on that, but um, I just <laughs> yeah. felt like like it's it's definitely valid for him to approach it from that manner, kind of you know skipping out on a couple of details, but you're still telling the same story just with a slightly different you know slant to it. So I think if in the third season, if NPH doesn't show up because in How I Met Your Mother, how much his character of Barney talked about it being in you know idolizing Johnny Lawrence, it's going to be a real. This this disservice. I mean, that would be pretty cool, right? Okay, what's and, your third thing? And I think you're going to need to gloss over that one too, if it's, a, if it's okay. A- I I will most definitely try because there's not really a whole lot to say about it. But um, one of our mutual geek elite uh, family members, Daniel Barroso, recommended I watch a documentary on Netflix called Behind the Curve. Okay, uh, this is a flat Earth documentary. Yeah, I think uh, I yeah. So, um, I mean, I'll admit I'm a definitely a conspiracy head, and I like to look at some strange stuff online. But flat Earth, that's always been one of those that even I'm like, I mean, that's just kind of going a little bit too far now, guys. And this, this documentary basically kind of concluded that for me as well. Um, you mean essentially, like at the end when they tried to prove that it's a flat Earth, and they prove that it's not <laughs> yes they they continuously disprove themselves but they just can't accept it they just like, always come up with an excuse as to why their experiment didn't prove that the world was flat um but i just i i love how you see some of the psychology because this applies to many things but i noticed that a lot of these people especially this one guy who was taking brain power courses i believe is what they called them um, he was the guy that they showed ba- balancing ping pong balls on mallets yep. while he was reciting like all the states and all the elements and things like that. <laughs> um, and like it really became clear to me that there was this really there's a Venn diagram here for people with inferiority complexes that also have really strong convictions for things that they believe they can prove. Or that they believe haven't been proven, so therefore they can't disprove, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yes. So just seeing the psychology of these people, how even within their own ranks, they'll have dissent where they accuse each other of being CIA plants or, <laughs> um, you know, like just some really, really bizarre things with these people. And I'm like, Okay, <laughs> these are some cool ideas, but it feels like exactly like what they say. Rather than using empirical evidence, they start with the the, the assumption and then try to find only the evidence that supports their claims, as opposed to actually looking at it objectively. There's basically no objectivism. They it, and the extent that this goes to is like science fiction levels. Which, again, I'm a sucker for a good conspiracy. You know, I'll believe that there's shadow governments and reptilian people and, you know, a child trafficking network that's worldwide for the sole purpose of suckling their adrenal gland fluids. But when you start getting to flat Earth, I was like... That's where you draw the line. (laughs) That's where I just can't... I can't go further than that. And because of that, I think I need to start taking a step back from a lot of these other things and looking at things a bit more objectively also. Because I'm like, I feel ashamed to call myself a conspiracy theorist if I'm going to be in the same league as these guys. 
I, I can't abide by that. Like, I'd rather just not believe that there's anything. Somebody kind of says it right, and I kind of agree with the sentiment. Uh, one of the the uh, like researchers that they talk to, that's like a, a astrophysicist or something, they say, you know, I would love to believe in magic and fairy tales. You know, wouldn't it be great if there really was a cabal of these like devil worshiping people? Because then things would make sense. There would be a reason for things, and life wouldn't just be chaos that we try to ascribe some kind of meaning to. And I was like, yeah. That's exactly right. Like, I would love it for there to be magic and all these fairy tale things and these boogeymen. And the sad truth is that there probably aren't. I mean, there's there's corruption, sure, but I don't know. Like the 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 so-called powers that be hiding the truth that the Earth is flat and we're oh, and I love this. I love how they also disagree with each other as far as what the specifics of the flat Earth is. So some people believe there's a flat earth and then the sky just goes off into infinity. Others believe that it's a disk and that we're covered by a dome. So no, we're not a globe. We're just like a semicircle. We're a snow globe. Yeah. Yes. And then uh, others that believe that the sky is just a construct. So the sun is basically just uh, like a, a, a beam of, of light or some kind of searchlight in the sky. So, like, they have a discussion about how one of them watched an eclipse in person to try to disprove that, you know, it's a celestial body that's covering, you know, the Earth with its shadow. And at first, you can literally see that he's awestruck by it because he's looking at it without glasses, mind you. He, like, took off his little safety glasses and he's looking at the the eclipse, like, bare-eyed. And um, Healthy. He's definitely looking at it with awe, like, my God, this is beautiful. But then later, when he's talking about it to his podcast friend, he's like, yeah, it was like watching a really, really good special effect, you know? <laughs> and I was like, okay, so there's just... in in The best evidence is not going to shake the belief of a zealot and vice versa. Like, they're just never going to be able to provide any true information either it's just the whole thing was pretty nuts but it was a very enjoyable watch it's not that long it's only like an hour and a half and it's a really interesting insight into this this crazy nut bar world that um i hope does not become mainstream because they have a huge following that's actually the scariest thing about this whole thing is that more and more people are ascribing to this because it's something that they feel that actually makes sense and the idea that you develop an identity based around a specific kind of belief like this just rings a little too true to like cults and stuff. So, yeah, I'm. I, I want to say I'm a little bit shook by that whole subculture. Uh, so behind the curve is on Netflix, correct? And isn't that a great title too? It really like, <laughs> just has a great double meaning. <laughs> Is it on Netflix? It is on Netflix. Okay. As is Cobra Kai. The Boys seasons one or seasons one and two will be on uh, Amazon Prime. There you go. All right. Uh, for my week's watch, I watch. I got around to finally watching uh, Ari Aster's Midsommar, uh, which yeah. I, I already knew that I did not like uh, Hereditary. <laughs> so I went into Midsommar with a very uh cautious system I, I, I could not hear what you said were there fairies 
Uh, no, there are no no fairies in the movie. Summer, why you gotta get my hopes up? Freaking Hollywood, <laughs> the fae are scary as shit. I need more fae horror movies. Well, don't worry. There, there. You got you got second season of uh that one show coming out sometime soon. The show that we talked about, the Alley, oh, Dive, uh, uh, whatever that, Orlando Bloom, and Cara Delevingne. Carnival Row. Carnival. Row? Yeah, Carnival Row. Okay, yeah. yeah. Carnival Row. You got that coming out. Now, Midsommar is not a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> it, Point blank. It is not about, a good movie. <laughs> it is uh, about this uh, couple, a boyfriend and a girlfriend from the States with their college friends going to a remote Swedish village uh, that, per- that does a very unique midsummer festival to you know, welcome in the harvest or whatever. And it's just, I I did not enjoy it. I did not enjoy it at all. I didn't, I didn't think the acting was good. I didn't think the story was good. I didn't think the symbolism was interesting. I didn't think the moral that they were trying to pass along was anything interesting. So if you thought Favarium was bad. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I got my next live tweet. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> see what you think about midsummer i don't know you guys keep torturing yourself <laughs> well i had I, I felt i needed to watch this because it's such it was it's so loved by a lot of people and i think it's because of the mild horror like twinges that it has hereditary is more of a horror movie but this one is more of just a it's more of like a hostel, like if you watched Hostel or uh, uh-huh. uh, uh, Saw, or like those type of movies. This sounds like it's got hints of Wicker Man in it. It's kind of got hints of Wicker Man in it, but at least Wicker Man has Nicholas Cage. In it. <laughs> Not the bees. Bees. <laughs> okay, so there's that. That's on uh, HBO Max at the moment. Then I also, oh, I finally we ended corporate. Now, I know I talked about the first episode of the third season when it came on, um, but this is it, the, it went through the whole third season. Uh, this is a show is now over because the third season was its last season. I still loved it. The, I thought it was I thought the third season was pretty hilarious. Um, once again, no one really knows about the show. No one talked about it, but it did get three seasons on Comedy Central. So if you get the opportunity and like to make and like to laugh at corporate america and how mundane and idiotic it is then this is the show for you so uh i would give uh i would i would recommend it to anybody that that has to do a job that you work in (laughs) if you a lot of people watch the office because of that and i think that if you like the office you'd like this like it's not the same type it's not a it's not a talking head show it's not a uh interview like mock interview thing but it is very much uh, narrative based, which it's on Comedy Central right now. So there's that. Okay, let's get into talking about Mulan. So Mulan 1996. Is that when the animated one came out? I think 98, but I'm not for sure. 98? Okay, sure. That's where I stopped caring about Disney movies. Honestly, the 98 is only from, I'm trying to think of the Rick and Morty skit of the Szechuan sauce. (laughs) Lord, that's true. What a. I thought he said he went to 1998. Yeah, 1998. 
Okay. <laughs> I'm not that much of a Disney freak. I don't know every the date of every movie, but I do remember the Rick and Morty skit about it. <laughs> so what what do you who watched it in 1998 remember about it? Oh, oh, that's hard. About it thin. Let me let me see. I have to go back. I was living in Texas. <laughs> I remember really liking it. I I mean, I was the young girl and you know, watching all these stupid movies about all these guys always saving the day and it was just so refreshing to see a Disney princess that could wield a sword and be honorable and not actually like, I mean, she kind of sort of gets a guy in the end, but like at the same time, it's not center of the story kind of thing. It was, it was refreshing. I remember really, really loving it. Yeah. I remember really liking it because she was the first Disney princess that really fought. Yeah. Um, And I remember finding Mushu hilarious. Yeah. Really enjoying the humor sprinkled in it. The, the cricket and then just everything about it. I just really liked it. <laughs> and John, did you get around to watching it before you watching the, the new live action remake? Yes. I watched it before and then I watched the live action version. So I felt like I would have a good kind of analysis of it comparison. And how did you feel about the, the cartoon, the animated version? You know, I thought the animated version was okay, but like it was definitely from that post. I think the last movie I watched in the theater for Disney was The Lion King. And then at that point, like hormones started kicking in, so I didn't care as much. <laughs> I know I definitely didn't watch uh, whatever came out after that. I think Pocahontas, Hunchback, this one, and then I just, everything just, just completely fell off like i was no more no longer interested mm. um so kind of watching it now um i just thought it was okay you know is it still has a lot of disneyisms in it that i i i've never really liked um like they have some goofy oh and hercules i definitely didn't watch hercules it looks stupid um but i felt like there was a certain turning point where the animation just wasn't quite as rich or deep um, I I liked the I most of the things I liked about it were all technical. Like I liked a lot of the voice cast, um, the acting that they did. Donny Osmond is such a weird choice for a Chinese like commander, but it works. Does it though? I mean, it worked for me. Okay. I mean, I, I, I'm maybe if I were Asian, I'd feel a little more offended by that. So I can kind of see that from your point. But um, for me, it was just like you know, he they they sang some songs, they did some action. Um, but overall, it just was kind of like it was okay. Like it didn't really do a whole lot for me. Um, you know, the action scenes were okay, but it being a kid movie, I mean, it still plays it pretty safe. There's no real like danger at any point um and so it was just i don't know it was okay i guess like i like they were saying that you know the the whole thing at the beginning was like oh you'll never make a good wife you know and she gets rejected by the matchmaker but at the end she gets like i guess the hottest guy in like the chinese army <laughs> so like i i did laugh at some of the jokes that were clearly aimed more at the adults of the audience 
mm-hmm. uh, like the grandma saying like next time I'm going to war or something like that. I like that made me laugh because that was that was cute. I was gonna say I don't yeah. think it's really aimed at adults. I, I I think kids understand what what's being said there. She wants a, a young, good-looking man. <laughs> yeah, but like I know that if I was a kid, I wouldn't have got that. You know, like there you were some next part. Uh, well, yeah, because I was a pervert even as a child. But you know, no, like... you wouldn't have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I was watching a uh, like blurred Cinemax when I was way too young to do so. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Okay, uh, I would say that. Actually, first I want to ask you this: uh, for for the two ladies of the of the podcast at the moment, is Jane from Tarzan considered a Disney princess? Because I never see her in the stuff. She's not. Well, she's no, not a princess. Move on, considered a princess when she's not a princess. But Jane is added into the Disney princess trademark. <laughs> why? I'm saying why not because add Jane? Disney made the choice. Because Disney made the choice. I think because Mulan was more popular probably because jane's not the lead character in tarzan, yeah, tarzan is the lead in tarzan jane yeah is. yeah being a disney princess you're right it has nothing to do with being an actual princess or not or how you became a princess it has to do with the actual trademark that they created back in the, back in the 90s maybe late 90s and probably around the time mulan came out in which it's just it's all for how they do the marketing for it and so they can put in the bubble the, I think it's 12 official Disney princesses. And then they have others outside of that bubble as well that are still considered Disney princesses to us, but are not actually trademarked Disney princesses. And the two biggest ones that I could tell you would be Princess Anna and Queen Elsa. They're not official Disney princesses, but they are Disney princesses. Okay. You know, I'm going to go on a limb and say that if you receive like the Royal Imperial Crest, you're a princess. So, yeah. fair. I, I feel like Not they fair. also tried to do the whole that there actually was an Empress Mulan, and it has nothing quite to do with the legend Mulan, but but there was an Empress called Mulan, or she was the general, or something. There was some in the past. There was Mulan that had something to do with war. <laughs> <laughs> that's what they are really, really up on our Chinese history there you go uh, <laughs> to be fair there's a lot of it <laughs> it's, like, it's a wonderful rich history I need, I do need to study up more on it I would say that I fall around the same place that John does I did, did, I very much thought it was very okay um, it's I liked it more than I liked Hercules but it doesn't fall you know, up there high on the list of, of the other movies. I was going to say, yeah, we had this whole spectrum going. So with the top end was Emperor's New Groove, I think has still remained relatively number one. Uh-huh. At the bottom was Hercules. <laughs> we had Aristocats in there somewhere. Somewhere. <laughs> I would say it's still above Aristocats. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's, it's it's not it's it's very much in the middle. It's very in the middle, and I think one of the issues I have with the the animated film is that it, it I, I understand that it was a kids movie. It's a kids movie, family movie, and they didn't want to spend too much time on anything. Everything seems so rushed. Uh, I feel like the the training in being in the army should have been longer. There should have been more to that. Um, maybe. 
a little bit of growth in the relationship and if they wanted to do the whole her falling for uh Shang Li, is that what it was? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Or is it Li Shang? Li Shang. Li Shang. Li Shang? Yeah. Because it was General Lee, right? Yeah. Yeah, his father. Um yeah, they it more should have been developed there if that's what they wanted to do. But if that's not what they wanted to do, then that's fine. I I just th- nothing stuck with me. Like nothing was developed enough for me to just have it be that thing. Like it's not Lion King, but then again, I'm also was older than the two of you. Say about you know a little younger than John. When all this came out, you're also uh, a boy. <laughs> I'm also a boy. Sure, that 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 could be the reason, I guess. You're uh, always a hero. You always get to do the fighting. <laughs> it was nice to see a girl do the fighting. That's all I'm saying. I, I don't have a problem with the girl doing the fighting. No, I wish but I think more of the girl doing the fighting. It's more in my head because it was one of the first, like. Not necessarily one of the first, but one of the first Disney princesses movies in which I saw you could be a Disney princess and you can also like swords because I was the girl who liked swords and snakes and bats, but still also liked to be doing princessy things. So that's why I liked it. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think I think for Mitch and John in particular, it probably is more of an age than a gender thing, because my brother, who was two years younger than I am. I know always really liked Mulan growing up and when I'd make him watch a Disney princess movie, he'd prefer it to be Mulan over any of the others. Cause at least there was, at least there's fighting. In it. At least there's fighting. There's entertainment. <laughs> so, you know, he was much happier with Mulan than Mary Poppins. But so I do think for the gentlemen of this podcast, yeah, that's true. I think it's probably an age thing. Cause yeah, you guys were in high school when this came out. You yeah. probably were not watching Disney movies. Not everybody is a Disney fanatic like we are who watched them no matter what our age. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, so yeah. the Mulan movie just it was it was just okay. That's how that's where I fall. Uh, I can see like the the beginnings of Donkey for Eddie Murphy in yeah. Mushu. <laughs> very o- awesome or obvious. There's, there is a direct line. Yeah. There's a direct line. Um I did I did like the cricket character. Like it's it's the silent animal character that they have in all the Disney animated movies, which is fine. It's I don't know. There's I, I I do like that Pat Morita was in the movie. Uh, I like that James Hong was in the movie. Like that, those are two very cool voices and actors. And Ming Na is is amazing, but yeah, there just wasn't enough anything, any one particular thing for me. So anything you that anybody else would love to talk about with the anime movie before we get to the live action movie. I mean, I think Mulan does have one of the most well-known at least for our just because of my end of the millennial generation like most well-known song pieces in i'll make a man out of you i like i mean because like even people who don't tend to watch disney movies sing along to that i mean the song was stuck in my head (laughs) watching the movie that golden donny osman voice that and the like the 
best shockwave or like just emotional whiplash that you get at the end of the <laughs> the girl song. Just like, oh god. Yeah. So um I do think and I think that's where I got so scared with the uh everybody saying, well, we're keeping the 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 movie score, but it just won't have lyrics. And I'm like, no, you can't, you can't give me the tune <laughs> of that song and not, <laughs> not sing it. Like, that's just, it's not a thing that's going to happen. Yeah, I will say, watching the new Milan during all the training sequences, I was straight up singing that song. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, so I, I, I do think it falls in there and, and there's definitely some nostalgia. I think just hit it on the head because of when it came out and where we were at when it came out. I think for those who saw it at our age, it probably resonated more. I I get the, the criticism that it feels kind of rushed. I mean, it, it had to fit into that 90 minute window. Like all the Disney animated movies were 90 minutes because that's how long everybody presumed a child could figure out how to sit for. Um, which fair, (laughs) um, but, uh, that does mean you have to streamline, you have to cut and, but I did always appreciate the humor in it and the music. So. Okay. So. Oh, go ahead. Add one thing. Like you and John said, it was kind of like looks wise. It was Okay animation but I remember at the time when it came out there was some like the the scene of the avalanche the scenes of the Huns actually coming down like that was one of the best animated sequences they had at the time I want to say so I remember watching it in theaters like seeing that avalanche calm down was like utterly amazing looking there are a few other elements like the looks of the fires and the fireworks were pretty too as well like I feel like at for its time, it was really well animated. That's fair. Yeah, the, the, the particle and the smoke effects, I definitely noticed. They had that very artistic little kind of swooshy looks to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like, I, that looks like that was a choice. I feel like I remember seeing them. They the mix of the animation was CG, I think it was CGI at the time or computer animation at the time to make all those effects too. I feel like it was on the. VHS bonus features or DVD bonus features or something. That makes sense. They were testing technology and I remember they were using some sort of new technology for it. So I would just say for its time. (laughs) 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 Now, but like for its time, it was really good. Fair. Uh, Okay. So the 2020 live action remake of Mulan, Mm -hmm. uh, we know that the two of you were already very skeptical, especially without the music. Where did you have any other feelings going into it first? Mm. No. I, was, I was concerned because I mean, there already exists a non Disney, very good live action Mulan. Mm-hmm. And there exists the Disney animated Mulan. And I was really kind of concerned where this was going to fall and what it was really going to contribute. Kind of like, if you're going to make this, if you're going to spend all this money, if you're going to like, what are you going to give us that the other ones don't? So I definitely was a little concerned that I was going to walk away feeling dissatisfied. 
It might have helped. I have not seen that other version of Mulan. Apparently it's on YouTube right now. You can watch it there. I will check it. It's supposed to be really good. John, what did you think going into this movie? Um, I had already heard a lot of the bad press surrounding the movie. So I was yeah, like, man. Mostly about the controversy with the main actress, the actress who plays Mulan. This is correct. But nevertheless, uh, I already had gone in with the preconception that somehow this was going to be bad because it was getting a lot of negative publicity. But yes, that is correct. The publicity is mainly about the person that played Mulan and some of the circumstances that they filmed under. But that's outside of the movie itself. I had no real preconceived notions about the movie since I had no real nostalgia for it. Um, I had heard that it was going to be more grounded in reality. So I was like, okay, so that means we're not going to have any magic, any dragons. You know, this is going to be a pretty straightforward, you know, girl impersonates a man to, you know, fight for her father and all that, you know, and it was going to be relatively, you know, normal, I guess. Um, So watching it, I was uh, pleasantly surprised that I was very, very wrong about all of that. Mm -hmm. And I actually really, really, uh, in general, just I liked the movie quite a bit. I would say that I also liked the movie quite a bit. I thought it was a, I thought it was a really good movie. I, I don't know if I'd go back and watch it anytime soon, but I would, <laughs> I would watch it again. I mean, does it feel a bit blasphemous that I kind of would say, like, I would put Crouching Tiger, like Jet Li's hero, and mm-hmm. Mulan, this live action version, like all in the same sentence? No, I think that's the equivalent. That's, uh, yeah. 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 No, I- I actually did end up walking away really liking it, which I was very glad for. And I was pleasantly surprised that a lot of my concerns were handled well. Okay. I really liked this movie. I will definitely oh. be watching it again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So, I mean, how did you feel about uh, portrayals? Portrayals of the characters that you enjoyed from the original to this? Like, you have Mulan, you have her father, you have the Emperor, which is played by Jet Li, and that is that amazing. was the best change ever. And I didn't even realize that. And I think I like I just ignored that I knew he was in the movie and I was still like, Oh my god, Jet Li's the Emperor. <laughs> yeah. I just I don't know. I yeah. I, I, so to me, I am glad that they didn't attempt a Mushu character that they just decided to essentially cut the humor out of the story. It was, it's a bit of a bummer for me because I did enjoy the humor so much in the animated version, but I'm glad that they didn't with a lot of these live action Disney's, you can either stay really close mm-hmm. or you can kind of walk away from the animated and either is fine to me the ones where I feel Disney has failed is where they've tried to combine the two. Like either you need to stay pretty darn close and change just a little bit, or you need to go a different route. And this one opted to go a different route. Um, I liked the character development better in the emperor and in Mulan's father in this version. Mm -hmm. I did not care for, the development of the mother in this version. I thought the animated one was better. I thought it portrayed her in a better light. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the Mulan portrayal, while very different, equal. 
I, I did I did enjoy it. they have very different messages they have but I thought the I thought this very much honored what the animated character was supposed to be. And then bringing in uh, Donnie Yen as the commander tongue and essentially losing the Li Shang character, but replacing him with a fellow soldier that is around the same ranking, I guess, as Mulan. Uh, I mean, I personally am going to love anything that Donnie Yen does. So (laughs) I was all in for that part. But how did you feel about the change of the quote unquote love interest? I quite enjoyed it. I really okay. liked him. I did not catch his name throughout the whole movie. And then there was one line in which it's like one of the last things she says to him before they split up and she goes to save the emperor. I swore she said homeboy. I swore she called him homeboy. <laughs> and even my mom too was like, did she say homeboy? <laughs> so he's been homeboy to me since. But no, I actually quite liked his character. I really enjoyed actually the change in the commander. Actually, I really liked him. He was probably one of my favorite kind of sort of new characters, actually. And but yeah, I, I liked him for a love interest too. That wasn't quite for sure a love interest, but I quite enjoyed it. I liked the separation for the soul for above and beyond. I I thought both characters were very well done. But it gave more credence that he was following her advice on her basis and value as a soldier, not because he was interested. Yeah, in her. takes that out that aspect. It takes out of that the aspect completely out of the equation. Uh, and then you you get your you get your cricket in the form of a actual another soldier, and I loved it, <laughs> John. Uh, we get a. Uh, in the form of magic in this one, uh, a fae person, so to speak. Uh, was it Zhang, Zhang Yi? Zhang, Zhang Yang? Whatever. Uh, it's the lady that turns into the raven and back. Yes, played by Li Gong. Yeah, and she's able to possess people also or shape change. I don't know which one it was that she was I think doing. she's shape changing. Okay. Yeah, she she could shape change, shape shift. Uh, she was great. I loved her character. I was like, this is a really awesome uh, kind of foe or folly for Bulan because it shows what she can become. And, you know, lo and behold, she tries to convince her to join her side and become just like her. Tries to convince her about how this is, you know, a man's world and you know, you have to kind of fight against that and they could do that together. And mm-hmm. Mulan shows her virtue. I mean, there's a they make a big point about talking about virtues in here. Mm-hmm. About um, you know, she chooses to to go by honor and loyalty and all these other things. And you know, even you know, she's basically fighting to protect a patriarchy that sees her as a second class citizen, yet she still does it, you know, with all her might. And um I mean, at first I was a little bit like, okay, she's going to be a Mary Sue because now she has like more chi than any other Chinese man ever has, you know? Um, but that they, that kind of just eventually goes away and she's just a really badass fighter, you know, really badass kung fu martial artist. You know, I love Zhang Yi's character in Crouching Tiger and I just kind of saw her as another version of that. You know, they, I'm, I'm sure now that there must be some kind of unofficial super-powered female like kung fu artist 
trope in Chinese mythology. So this would just fall square in with that same that category. Well, the the character of uh, Zhang Yang is also a trope in that that Chinese Mandarin story. Like she's like the bride with the white hair, you know that that type of character. Like it's all mystical and 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 a force of nature sort of thing. So. And and tries to be a corrupting factor apparently. Which my one of my issues with the movie, it's not really that big of an issue, is that the her turn at the end of the movie doesn't really feel deserved to me. Like I I understand they keep dropping the parts where Jason Scott Lee's character is like constantly calling her a tool, you know, like you you work for a me. Dog. Yeah, yeah, you're my servant kind of stuff over and over, but like it just didn't feel like Mulan did enough work in turning her around. I feel like she did because I feel like she was already almost there because I feel like her goal is to just have more women accepted like her. And she knew that Mulan was the way to do it. I don't think her goal was necessarily to be that woman. I think her she did it in the wrong ways, but her ultimate goal was to be for women like her to be accepted. And I think she recognized in Mulan that she could do that, whereas and she I, can no longer do that because of the route that she chose. And I think I would say that you get that aspect of her her character in the end of the second to last battle between her and Mulan, but that's almost the third act by the time you get that. Like you don't get any of that in the first or second act with that character. I felt they don't even in the second act. Do you? I felt like you got it in that conversation. Yeah. Where she- Putting up to Milan about I, I've been like you. I yeah, you know where yeah. they don't and trust. Us, they I, don't. Yeah, that's the beginning tries. of the third act. Yeah, but no, not even that. But I, I feel like the end of the second act. Okay. So. She knows as a woman, she knows that Mulan is binding her chest. She intentionally threw that on her binding. I would argue that she knew Mulan would survive. I see, and I would argue that she didn't know exactly that Mulan was a, a woman, just that she was that she was lying. No, I'm a thousand percent sure she knew Mulan was a woman. Yeah, I think it was meant to imply that she knew who she really was. Well, that's fine. You can all think that. I'm think the other thing. (laughs) Either you'll live as you really are or you'll die pretending to be. I I, I understand that she knew that she was lying. I'm just saying that I think it's she didn't know what the lie was. Either way. I feel I still feel like it wasn't deserved. I don't I don't or earned. I'm saying not deserved. Uh, but like I said, it's it's a little nitpick. It's not it's it didn't hurt the movie for me. I I still enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, I thought the pacing was good for a two hour movie. It still it still does a great job of keeping me interested. And of the live action remakes, I probably enjoyed this one the most. Yeah. It's definitely up there on my list. Yeah. 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 I, really like it. I feel like if I had to nitpick anything for the cricket character, all I needed, all I needed was when he survived some crazy thing he should not have survived. I just needed one of the guys to say, man, you're one lucky cricket. That's all I needed. <laughs> <laughs> I just needed that line too. And they did throw some of my favorite lines from the songs into the movie too. I quite like that, that you, got yeah. those lyrics at least including Yao Po's and Ling's 
description of the women that they would want. But like, I just needed, man, you're one lucky cricket. It's just just once. (laughs) Well, I did like those callbacks to the, uh, to the movie. Like I made a comment about when um, that one character whips out the, the drawing of his girlfriend. And I was like, hey, they did that just like in the other one. They have like the, and that's when they go on to the description of the women that they want. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, like, I made up several comments about it throughout the live watch that we did. But man, the set pieces, the production design, and especially the costumes were so good. Mm-hmm. Where I was just like fawning over just the detail of the armor and like the layers of the the cloth and all that which is i mean i'll do that every now and then but i was just that really absorbed me for some reason i was like they really did a great job on this production the phoenix um when i was like young dumb and 16 and i wanted a tattoo i wanted a phoenix tattoo like i don't know why like i just wasn't because of harry potter and fox it was just literally i love phoenix i love how they look and like watching this i'm like yeah I really want to still get that Phoenix tattoo. <laughs> hey, well, that still applies to a uh, 39-year-old men, so. <laughs> so one of the things that uh, I thought was I forget what I was going to say. I thought I was going to I was going to catch it by the time I got to that point, <laughs> and I didn't. Just keep rolling with we it. We were talking. Just keep going. What we were talking about before the Phoenix. Before, no nope. costuming. That's it. Yes, costuming. So <laughs> the movie follows the the video game trope of uh, as the woman gets better as a fighter, she gets less armor. Like <laughs> yeah. she loses all her armor, and then now she's the best fighter there is. <laughs> yeah, you got to be able to move to use that. I guess so. That's uh, that's what I thought. I thought was the, the funniest she- part. The armor was representative of the lie. So once she shed it, that's when her true power was revealed. Oh, I get it. I'm just saying. (laughs) (laughs) It follows the trope that less armor on women is what what happens. They don't need all the armor. They're not going to get hit at all. (laughs) There you go. Well, I mean, that's actually proven extremely true in real life. We saw what happened in, uh, was it Seattle or Oregon? One of those places where they're having all those protests. A naked woman went out in the middle of the street and all the police retreated. They're like, "Uh uh-uh, we ain't going near this. And that's all it took. And I'm like, right on. I will know. I also really love the choreography of all the fighting. I love it. There were several times where I went, oh, damn, like, just, I loved all of it. It was just so perfect, kicking back an arrow, just, oh, just beautiful. Is there, now, wasn't, it, wasn't it also just nice to see Jason Scott Lee in something again? It was. It was, but he's the people over at uh, Disney, like, he's the voice of the boyfriend to Lilo's older sister. He's uh, oh, that's right. He's a voice in 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 uh not uh that's not called Maui. It's called Moana, like I believe. So he he's another one of those people that they go over and use a lot. Now he was in a live action version of the Jungle Book, but that wasn't a Disney version, was it? Correct. It was called oh. Rudyard Kip, Kipling's Jungle Book, which was not the Disney version. 
But yes, like most people would know him if you remember him as Bruce Lee in Dragon the Bruce Lee story. Best role. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything else that anybody would like to get into? We all seem to enjoy the movie quite a bit. Um, and we were split kind of half and half on the animated version. <laughs> <laughs> That's what can good. you tell us about the about Mulan two? <laughs> so, <laughs> so Mulan two takes place I don't know a couple of years after, and it's Shang and Mulan are about to get married, but then the emperor has decided to marry off his three daughters, so he hires Mulan and Shang to be their bodyguards on the trip to the other kingdom, and Mulan and Shang also hire Yao, Ping, and Oh, Yao Ling and Po. Yao Ling and Po. And lo and behold, the princesses are pretty close to the women that they described in their song. <laughs> so it's about how they fall in love with the princesses. <laughs> or the, yeah, I guess they're not princesses. They're daughters of the emperor. But, um, and it just ruins everything for Shang and Mulan. And just, they have to break <laughs> up. And Mushu's dealing with this whole having to combine the ancestors thing and he thinks he's not going to be able to be with Mulan anymore. And so he becomes a little bit selfish, kind of sort of tries to break apart Mulan and Shang, but very disappointed in Mushu. (laughs) Definitely not, not, it is definitely a Disney straight to video sequel. (laughs) (laughs) But I assume it all worked out in the end. It does all work out in the end and it is very beautiful. Yes. Um, they also bring in a lot the symbolization of yin and yang. So it goes more into the relationship of Mulan and Shang. So you actually see how their relationship works and it's how they balance each other. So like yin and yang. Do they at least spar together? Yeah, they spar together. And also I want to say in the beginning, it shows that like, because Mulan saved the emperor, now little girls in her village are like starting to learn how to fight too. And she's kind of sort of teaching them. So it shows that. Other girls are wanting to fight now instead of just getting match made. And it's just, it's adorably cute, funny. It's low production. Just. (laughs) I I still enjoy watching it. I think the first time I watched it, it was one of those. I was sick one day, homesick. And whenever I was homesick, my dad or mom would always just pick up a rental movie for me and that was the rental my dad chose at that time <laughs> like that was the first time i watched it and now i own it on dvd for some reason i don't <laughs> probably because it was five books eventually and i went i'm gonna own all of disney <laughs> well there you go there's a rousing review for you uh it's great. you should watch it <laughs> <laughs> If you want to get a hold of me to tell me about uh, or talk to me about anything I talked about today, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Mitchopedia GEM. GEM stands for Geek Elite Media. Jessica, where can people find you online? Uh, you can find me as JM Bailey Writes on a couple social media apps now <laughs> Twitter and TikTok. Twitter and Instagram and TikTok. So oh. I know I changed my Instagram too. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> John, where can people find you online? Um, I am available at Magic Bollocks on Twitter. Tweet at me your uh, Flat Earth conspiracy theories and see if you can uh, finally prove it once and for all. It was the dinosaurs. They were walking and they made it flat. Makes sense. 
There you go. That's If I'm going to get into any theory, it's going to be that we're on top of a, we're on the back of a giant celestial turtle one. Yes. That's I the one. Oh, that means you're in the Stephen King first then in the dark yeah. universe. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Elizabeth, where can people find you online? You can find me with the rest of Geek Elite Media at Geek Elite Media and our Facebook page forward slash Geek Elite Media. And if you would like to check out archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on our network, check out our website, geekelitemedia.com. Please go and check out our Patreon page. We have lots of exclusive material that you can only get there, plus early access to these episodes if you choose to want that. But you want but if you uh do listen to us on a podcatcher please rate and review us so that you can help spread the word of our network and other people can find out about us but until next time this is the geeks watch on the geek elite media network saying always remember to geek Geek out this concludes our broadcast peace